A healthy outside starts from the inside. Hello. So what are you thinking? You're listening to the Healthy Mind, Healthy Self Show. I'm your host, Martha Alvarez, psychotherapist and life coach. And this is a place for you to explore your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors so that you can make more mindful choices, achieve those things that you so desire. So tune in and enjoy. Hey there, welcome back. This is episode 24 of the Healthy Mind, Healthy Self Show. And today we are talking about your brain on food. I'm talking about mental health, how it relates to your body, to food, nutrition, and how you can optimize your well being. And I'm going to start off by saying disclaimer I am not a nutritionist or medical doctor. So always seek advice from a medical professional whenever you're making dietary adjustments, especially if you're on medication. Some meds interact with some foods, so you want to know about that. Anyhow, let's start by talking about inflammation, inflammation in the body, because we know that it causes changes in your brain, in the way your body functions, and that can actually contribute to so many diseases, including psychiatric ones mood disorders like anxiety and depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, Alzheimer's, dementia, autism, Parkinson's. Well, there's just been so many that have been linked with inflammation in the brain. And we also know that chronic stress can also cause inflammation. Now, there's a great deal of evidence that suggests that inflammation has its roots in the GI tract. The digestive system It's actually designed to remove all the harmful toxins, the bacteria, the viruses from our food before it enters the rest of our body. It actually becomes like the first line of defense from the inside out. So next time you're eating, think about what a marvelous job your body is doing in protecting you and making sure everything's good so that it can function perfectly. And when we talk about our gut and our brain, we're talking about the gut-brain axis And this is a bidirectional communication system between the central nervous system, which is actually the brain and the spinal cord, and your gut microbiome, which is called your second brain, your enteric nervous system. Basically, there's a network of nerves, of neurons, neurotransmitters that extend from your brain to your organs. It's connected by your vagus nerve, which is what connects your brain and your gut. And it's like a super highway is the way I I like to think about it. And there's trillions of bacteria in your gut. There's tons of neurotransmitters, um, things like uh, serotonin. Actually, more than 90% of serotonin is in your gut. There's others, dopamine, GABA. And there's actually uh, about 70% of your body's immune system also located in your gut. So... Pretty much it's accepted that if your gut isn't well, your health won't be well. Things can get out of whack. And and I want you to remember that our body and our mind operate as a whole. They don't operate independently. Yet so many times I find people underestimate how they feel based on what they consume. There's definitely an interaction. And for me in the world of psychology, when I see 
someone that comes to me and presents with a bunch of symptoms, uh, one of the first things that I want to look at is how their gut is doing, what they're consuming, what how they're nourishing their body, what they're putting in. And we go through a whole conversation about that because food and mood are definitely related. So we know that the brain is the head honcho. Your brain actually dictates everything in your body. And your brain has such a high concentration of fats. Its makeup is about 60% lipids, fats. There's also proteins, amino acids, glucose, micronutrients, a bunch of good stuff, right? So when we talk about fats in the brain, the superstars are omega-3 and 6. They're called fatty acids. And basically, they prevent degenerative brain conditions. They have other functions, such as they reduce your cardiovascular risk. Actually, these omegas improve mental tasks. They do that by improving blood flow, and they fight inflammation, which you know is the cause of most disease is inflammation. We want to kind of stay away from inflammation in all the ways we can. So there's three sources of omega-3 fatty acids. There's EPA, DHA, and ALA. EPA and DHA are the most beneficial. And then there's ALA, which you get like from flax and soybean, canola, stuff like that. And then it converts to EPA. Not very well. It's kind of difficult, but it does. And you can't get this, you know, your body's not making it itself. So you have to get it from food. Okay. So it's important what you eat. And as far as omega threes and six, omega six is the one that can trigger inflammation. It's a pro-inflammatory. So what happens is that what you want to look out for is the ratio of omega three to six. We want to have more omega threes than six. There's a lot of studies about omega three fatty acids and the dietary deficiencies uh, how they're associated with increased risk of mental health disorders. And one of the reasons could be, again, because it's, you know, these these omegas facilitate communication in the brain cells, and we need our brain to be communicating optimally so that we can be healthy and we can keep diseases at bay. So in addition to these fats, the brain benefits from other things like proteins and amino acids and vitamins and minerals and definitely glucose. So there's a clear relationship between your diet, your dietary patterns, and the incidences of anxiety and depression and you know reducing your cognitive abilities and your decreased health and well-being. It's basically super important that you eat for nourishment of your body, of your brain, of all yourselves. And when people are not well, they tend to make less healthy decisions. That's why it's so hard uh, sometimes to make these adjustments when you're kind of feeling in a funk or you're not well, you basically often don't care, eat whatever, and it doesn't matter to you. But that would be one of the first interventions that I say, pay attention, make some shifts and see if that helps you feel better. So if you or actually someone you know is struggling with some kind of mental and emotional cognitive situation, basically any health condition, it's very well much worth the effort to dig a bit deeper into your nutritional consumption and consider making those adjustments. Now, I know that most people would agree that food plays a big role in their health but they still can be resistant towards making these changes. 
And I think that can have a variety of reasons. Some of them can be uh, basically physical resistance because they're having cravings, or maybe perhaps they have food addictions, example, sugar. Sugar is one of those that causes inflammation, it spikes, it drops uh, your body glucose, and then that triggers cravings. Uh, Actually, sugar also releases dopamine, so it acts on your reward system almost like a a drug would. Um, Same thing with carbs and dairy. Maybe those are things that you have become addicted to, and then there's the resistance because you just don't like the way it tastes. Some people don't like kale. Some people don't like soy, even though it's good for you, and they resist eating those things, incorporating. But there's other reasons. There's that emotional resistance and that's because basically some foods actually momentarily make you feel better and you rely on them to manage your emotions. And, you know, sometimes we're talking about what, like ice cream, cakes, carbs, these things that you know are no good for you, but at the moment they're just so satisfying. And replacing them with healthy options would be the way to go. But at that moment, you're trying to manage your emotions as well. And it's kind of like a quick fix. So if you're having some of these things going on, just create awareness so that, you know, the change can occur. There's also other factors, social factors, environmental, cultural factors around food, how you relate to others, your patterns, you know, when you go out to eat, who you're eating with, what you consume, food as an entertainment. So socially, there's a factor that revolves around food that make these adjustments a little bit more difficult to start implementing. So it takes planning. And then for some people, there's just too many choices. Uh, They have poor planning, or maybe they're thinking it's just too much hard work. It's time consuming. Fundamentally, they don't find it to be of great value. So they don't do it. They don't really take a look at how food is affecting them. And that's kind of what's stopping them. But for those of you who are all in and making this type of shift, I'm going to offer you some suggestions, some strategies to change your approach to food so that you can optimize your well-being. And, you know, I want you to think of it as optimizing yourself on a cellular level. I mean, this is your life, your life force, your vitality. This is how you get to be alive with everything that you are consuming. In this case, we're talking about food. And you can start by acknowledging that you have actually choices, power in what you're going to allow in your body, what you want, what you choose to eat, how you nourish yourself. I mean, most people have choices on how they're going to do this. So as a whole, a good starting point is to perhaps consider adopting a Mediterranean diet, which is high in vegetables, fruits, whole grains, uh, beans, nuts, seeds, olive oil. Mostly it's plant-based. You can eat some seafood and poultry and eggs and even a bit of dairy, like Greek yogurt, but there's very little red meat. And then it focuses on healthy fats like olive oil. It limits your sugars, sodium, processed foods, uh, refined carbs, saturated fats, processed meats, box foods, all that kind of stuff. You're basically eating whole foods. And I want you to remember that each of us is very unique, our body, how we react to everything. And one of the first things that I often see is 
how people have limited awareness on what doesn't resonate well with them when they eat, basically what they're sensitive to and how they react. So, you know, one of the things that you can do is that you can start paying more attention and discovering what does not agree with you, what may be possible sources of inflammation. I'm talking about perhaps gluten, and you don't have to be celiac or allergic. You can have gluten sensitivities, same with dairy or corn or eggs or sugar, alcohol, anything that can cause inflammation, sensitivities, allergies, not feel good, things that make you bloat. And a friend of mine that's a gastro often tells me that people fail to realize that it's you know, there's effects sometimes immediately after you eat something, but usually when, when you're not doing well in your stomach, it's something that you ate a while ago, a few hours ago. So there's the immediate effect and then there's the longer time effect. So you got to pay attention to what you're eating and how it makes you feel initially. And then a few hours later, and a good way to do that is to keep a food diary, just kind of write down what you're eating and then you can go back and figure, oh, I don't feel good. Well, perhaps it was that, whatever it was that you were eating. And then next, I want you to think of what you can add in to make a positive change in your gut, in your mind, in your hormones, in your metabolism. I'm talking about, again, like omega-3s, you know, which could be fatty fishes, or maybe you want to get your omega-3s from a supplement. And, you know, word about supplements, I, I personally think that if you're eating a very well-rounded whole foods diet, you're not going to need the supplements, but I find that most people are not. So you may want to find a supplement, a good quality supplement that you could add into your daily rituals and routines to just optimize your health. Something else you can add in is lemon water in the morning to kind of cleanse you and to set the tone for the day. Maybe you'd consider doing some green algae, spirulina, chlorella, something like that. And then there's probiotics, prebiotics. And these are more evidence is is coming up about how they normalize and balance out your gut flora. So it's always a good idea to add a probiotic and eat prebiotic foods like chia, flax, garlic, onions, bananas, that type of thing. And, And remember, we are trying to optimize your gut biome. And you know what else you can do? You can sprinkle in some herbs because herbs have these antioxidant effects and like rosemary or turmeric or cinnamon, oregano, thyme, just work with herbs, make sure that you're eating whole foods. That's the first thing, adding in just some of these things into your daily everyday food. And you want to keep it simple because if you try making too many changes at once, usually that doesn't work out well, especially in the long term. So for example, if you were going to add in something, I'd say, well, go ahead and add in the probiotic or add in, you know, the morning lemon water, or perhaps increase your omega-3. You don't have to do them all at the same time, just gradually until you get that habit and then you can move on. Next thing I want to share with you is consider eliminating something or greatly reducing something from your diet. That way you can heal. And what can you eliminate or reduce? How about sugar? Sugar is like a big one. It's really no good for you. You can reduce caffeine or alcohol or box snacks or processed meats or anything that causes sensitivity and is not good for your body. Ultimately, eliminating it would be great 
But listen, if all you can do right now is reduce it, hey, that's great also. Okay, so think about adding in, think about what you can eliminate. Again, take it slow. If you're trying to get rid of sugar, maybe maybe you can't cut down like all the way to zero initially. Just be more mindful of what you're eating that has sugar and then just make a conscious choice to reduce that. Maybe skip dessert, maybe opt out of the candy, maybe put less sugar in your coffee if that's something that you do. And then the next thing I want you to do is ask yourself, what can you swap out? And when we're talking about swapping out, we're talking about I can choose versus I can't. And if you think about it in this way, that has actually tremendous emotional power. Example, I can choose olive oil or coconut oil or avocado oil instead of vegetable oil. That's a lot more empowering than I can't have vegetable oil. So by giving a choice to yourself, you feel better. You feel that you have more control. It'll make you actually want to go through with it. So things you can swap out. How about swapping out green tea instead of coffee? Or perhaps you can swap out your coffee for an herbal tea or a turmeric latte. Same thing with um, nut butters. You can choose unsweetened nut butters versus the ones that have sweeteners in them. Or how about choosing a collagen powder instead of whey protein in your shakes? Or maybe coconut or almond flour instead of whole wheat or white flour when you bake? Or how about kombucha instead of soda? Or maybe sparkling water with uh, some lemon and herbs? Even ice cream. You can choose, let's say, Halo Top ice cream instead of Ben & Jerry's, right? So there's choices that you can do. Again, think about what you can swap out just in your everyday life and start small. And then there's something else that you can do in helping you make these adjustments. You can think of what you're going to do in certain situations ahead of time. And you do that by using this model that I call if-then. For example, if I want Starbucks, then I will not add sugar to the coffee. If I want a late night snack, then I will uh, eat a fruit or drink a turmeric latte. If I'm stressed out and I want wine, then I will make myself an herbal tea instead. It's basically, again, giving yourself choices and pre-planning, knowing yourself, knowing you're going to have you know, stress if you come in at the end of the day and normally you reach for that wine or that beer or whatever you drink, swapping it out, knowing you have an actual choice. So basically, there's some consciousness around dietary consumption and some planning that can actually help you go through with these things, right? You buy the right stuff when you go grocery shopping. Just, you know, stop buying all that stuff that comes in boxes and is processed. I mean, there's choices. You can buy something else. Maybe you want to consider prepping. Spend the night before prepping, maybe the weekend cutting up stuff making sure stuff is clean, whatever makes it easier for you. Perhaps you want to consider eating breakfast because we know that this is what really fuels us for the rest of the day. And so many people skip out breakfast. How about staying hydrated? How hydrated are you? I've done other episodes on water, how important it is for your brain, for your body. Are you hydrated? 
And then maybe you want to incorporate supplements, like I said, omegas, B12s, magnesium, zinc, vitamin C, whatever you need. And, you know, that could be a whole other episode. So I want you to know that, you know, definitely this is doable, but you got to set yourself up in your mind and also in your environment, right? One of the good ways, like I said, is going and purchasing just basics that help support this new way of eating, you know, get some olive oil, some walnuts, almonds, fruits, berries, oatmeal, dark leafy vegetables, whole grains, healthy proteins, you know, staples of this Mediterranean diet. And then basically know that you always have choices because I know how easy it can be to want to try to pop a pill and uh, make your condition go away. But it doesn't have to be like that, you know, and that's not necessarily the best way to do it. I'm not saying that you should replace medical care or medicine for these conditions. I'm just saying that to optimize your well being, definitely look into how your nutrition, your diet is playing a role in it. And then your body can actually heal and optimize with food. Food can actually change your mood, your behavior, obviously your appearance and your overall health. And it does not have to be complicated. It does take a little bit time, probably at least 30 days before you start to feel and see the difference. But you got to want to do it. You have to be committed. You have to become aware. And then, of course, you need to combine this with plenty of rest, meaning good sleep and exercise and gratitude and happiness, joy. I mean, this is totally doable. You can feel better. You can look better. You can be healthier. Your brain has all the power. Your body has all the power to help you live the life that you so desire. But you got to put in some of the work. It's not going to do it all by itself. It's dependent on you, on what you are consuming, both dietary and what you're consuming emotionally, you know, what, what your environment is like, what you're putting into your thoughts, uh, your body, it all matters. So I encourage you to make some small shifts, see how that goes, see if you feel different, even if it's just, you know, let's say just try stopping gluten for two weeks, see how you feel if it's anything different. All right. That's my uh, episode for today. I hope it was helpful and it inspires you to make some adjustments in the way you're living your life. And, um, you know, definitely I'd like to hear about it. Let me know. Drop me a line. My friends, until next week, I hope you think well and be well. Catch you soon. One more thing. Thanks for listening to my Perfectly Imperfect show. Keep in mind that I'm sharing thoughts and experiences And the information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health or medical professional. If you have a moment to leave a rating or a review, that would be great. It's a way of sharing so that more people can find the show and start making some small shifts.